I don't know about you, but uh, you know, one of the things that, that I get to do as a pastor, and it's not the easy part, it's, it's some of the hard parts. You know, I always say we're, we're here to share life with people. That means we share the, the, the highs, the ups, the celebrations, the weddings, the, the, the child dedications, but it also means we, we walk with people through some of the darkest times of their life, and we walk through families when there's been a death in the family, and inevitably, you know, when, when I'm sharing a, a eulogy at a funeral, you know, people, people become known for certain traits, certain characteristics, right? In fact, oftentimes I'll ask a family as I sit with them to, to talk about a, a, a memorial service. What, what were some of the key words that you would use to describe your loved one? It, it makes me, and it should make all of us really think a little bit and ask the question, well, how, how will we be remembered? Because most times people are remembered for a few core things, characteristics. I think about people in my life that have made an impact, people that I've loved and appreciated who, who have died. And the way that I remember them, I think about Val Bressler, who for so many years played the keyboard and the, the baby grand piano on this stage. And she taught our oldest daughter, Lainey, how to play piano. And I'll never forget when Lainey messed up at one of her very first recitals and she was just erupting in tears and breaking down. And Val Bressler, her teacher, just came along and just went up on the stage and sat next to Lainey and just helped her figure out her spot in the music and showed her what to do next. The impact that people have, her, her servant heart, her, her joy in worship, I'll remember that about Val Bressler, I think about Todd Enderley, just a, a bulwark of the faith, a longtime elder at our, at our church, uh, uh, somebody that volunteered for so many years in our children's ministry, impacting the lives of thousands of kids I know. <laughs> I think about his just servant-heartedness. I mean, he, whether it was a mission trip or, or if, if Todd was still alive, he would be one of the first to be out there building a home for Habitat for Humanity. And I think about, when I think about Todd, I think about the way that when I would interact with him, you felt like you were the only person in the world. He just, he just leaned in, listened, cared. People are remembered for specific traits. Even infamous people that have passed away, they too are remembered. I think about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Honest Abe, right? He's remembered for his honesty, or Rockefeller, remembered for his generosity, or Mother Teresa, remembered for, for her care and her, her selflessness, or William Wallace, his, his passion and his bravery, right? Lots of different words that can be used to describe a person, uh, but have you ever thought about being described in this way with this word? <laughs> Wasteful. That's not a word that I would like to be associated with, right? I mean, I want to be frugal. In fact, I, that's why I keep telling Lisa, I'm, I'm just frugal. I'm not cheap. I'm just frugal. So, so like the wasteful seems like the complete polar opposite of that. And yet, as we continue our series this weekend in the Gospel of John, we come to chapter 12, and we're going to read a story about a woman that is remembered for being what some would call wasteful. In fact, in fact, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that this woman will continue to be remembered and talked about 
through the ages of time for the scenario that we are going to look at this weekend together. It's found in John chapter 12, and this is where we'll be. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, let me just read the story for us, and then we'll see what we can learn from it together. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, and Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, for he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And then I love Jesus' response. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What an incredible scenario. I can just imagine the scene. I mean, uh, this, this dinner party is planned in celebration of Jesus. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that Simon, who was healed of leprosy, was also at this dinner gathering. Then you've got Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead. Everybody is so grateful in, in awe of who Jesus is. They're like, come, come, celebrate. Let's come celebrate Jesus, his power, his miracles, his messiahship. And, and, and several are gathered there, and Simon's there, and Peter's there, and, and I mean, they're probably telling fishing stories, and, and, and they're all gathered around. And then Mary, Mary does the unthinkable. In the midst of this dinner celebration, she breaks open this, this expensive jar of perfume, and she just starts anointing Jesus with it and, and wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. What a scenario. And, and and the disciples, especially Judas, I mean, he's offended and he speaks up right away. He's like, this is nonsense. This is a, a waste. In fact, the, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that, that the whole entourage of disciples echoed what Judas also said. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 8, it says the disciples were indignant when they saw this. And they said, what a waste. What a waste. Now, Mary, I don't, I don't, I think she was a smart woman. I think she knew exactly what she was doing. She, she in one moment, as she sees Jesus, in this one moment, she weighs all the worth of her life, her, what she has, her finances, her reputation, her social standing, her life as a whole, she weighs it all. And in comparison to the worth of Jesus, she just pours it all out. Wasteful in some people's eyes, but worshipful 
in the eyes of Jesus. It leads us to a bottom line truth for this weekend that we really want to grab a hold of together. And it's this, that wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. Would you say that with me? Wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. And I think about Mary's example here, and it causes me to ask questions like, am I willing, am I willing to waste it all on Jesus? It's a question that we ought to wrestle with. Do I have the perspective that Mary has? Do, do, do we respond to Jesus in the way that Mary responded to Jesus? What had, had Jesus done in Mary's life that just caused her such lavish care and outpouring of generosity? And what would that even look like or require in your life and my life to waste it all on Jesus? And that's what I want us to wrestle with, and we want to look back at the, the story and see what we can learn specifically from Mary and, and how, what, what this really looked like when it came to wasting her life. Well, she wasted, in some people's eyes, financially, right? Uh, let's look again at the, at the passage. Verse 3 of John chapter 12 says, And then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of this expensive perfume, it was from the essence of nard, probably spike nard, an essential oil of the day. Uh, years ago, we had a Good Friday service, and we, we actually used a little bit of spike nard just for like a, a sensory item. And let me tell you, a little dab goes a long way. And this stuff was so valuable. In fact, uh, uh, one, one Bible commentator from gotquestions.org says many in the Roman culture believed that the smell of spikenard was an indication that the very best had been offered because of the great value of it. Uh, some Bible commentators say that often spikenard was, was a sign between a, a, a spouse and their married loved one of their love for one another. So this, this perfume that had been saved up in this jar and 12 ounces worth, which was a significant amount. In fact, this is the complaint, remember, from Judas? He says that perfume is worth a year's wages. It could have been used for such more important purposes. And, and yeah, Judas says, well, you know, that could have been sold and given to the poor. And at first glance, that sounds like, well, yeah, that does kind of sound. Isn't that the heartbeat of Jesus for the poor? And yet... Remember, we just read in the text that, that Judas was the one that held the purse strings. He, he controlled the money of the disciples. And the, re, the real reason, the real motivation, he didn't want to see this money wasted is because if it went into the pool, then he could take some for himself. It was really selfishly motivated. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. And, and it says a year's worth of wages. And they say in the... In, in our world that we live in today, that's at least $36,000. Or just take it into your own world and think about, well, what is it that I make per year? Could I imagine? Could we imagine lavishly just giving that much away in one moment for the sake of Jesus? And that's what Mary did. This was such a huge deal. This was such a sacrifice. People were like blown away and they were offended at her lavish, seemingly wasteful generosity. 
But you see, Mary understood that wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. You know, with all the things that uh, our family's been going through with our son Carter and the medical issues, and um, for two years now we've been in this battle. And people have been just so kind. Today, a, a woman stopped me and handed me a card. And she said, hey, it's not much, but maybe it would help. This past week, somebody reached out to us and <laughs> stopped by our home and they brought a check. And it was, it was like a, a, an outpouring of generosity that I have never in my entire life experienced. All out of love and care in one moment. This was, this, was, this was Mary's heartbeat for, for her Jesus. He meant so much to her. She did not care. She didn't care what everybody else thought. The disciples even were thinking this was a waste. But she understood wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. It's, oh, it's always worth it when it comes to Jesus. And this was the heartbeat of Mary. It, it should cause me, should cause us to question in our own lives, like, is my devotion, is my devotion to Jesus, is it even costing me anything financially? And it doesn't have to only be about money. But for Mary, I mean, this, this jar of perfume could have perhaps been her life savings. And she just pours it all out in one moment. I think she poured it out because she knew that Jesus was about to pour it all out for her. In fact, later in the text, Jesus says, listen, leave her alone. She, she's doing something for me that others have not. And she was preparing him for the cross, anointing him, just pouring it all out. Is, it, is my devotion to Jesus costing me financially? Does, does my checkbook in any way, or, or like maybe that's an old school term, right? We don't even hardly use checkbooks anymore, right? Um, but is my bank ledger, is, it, is my portfolio, if that's you, does it reflect my, my love for Jesus? Because one of the ways that, G, that Mary wasted her life was financially, but it wasn't a waste. Because wasting, wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. Well, there's, a, there's another way that I see Mary um, moving forward towards Jesus. And she's not just wasting financially, but really in the scenario, she wastes herself socially. Her own reputation is at stake. Let's look again at the passage. It says, Mary took this 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and it says, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping it with her hair. She anointed Jesus. Now, Matthew's gospel tells us that she started at his head, and she anointed his head. And here in John, we see her now at the feet of Jesus. It's like from head to toe, Mary has just poured out all of her worth on the person of Jesus. And, and she's, she's anointing Jesus' now feet. Uh, feet were a little dirty, okay? I mean, in that day, most people wore sandals, and, and uh, they had walked the streets, and the streets weren't 
asphalt. It was dusty and dirty, and there was dung. And, and, and when somebody threw a party, the person throwing the party didn't wash the feet. That was a job for the servants. And yet here, Mary, she takes the posture of a servant. Socially, this was unacceptable. In fact, uh, later, it takes the, the other disciples even more time to, to get this, to understand this. We'll come to this in a couple weeks. In John chapter 13, uh, Jesus, Jesus was at a dinner party, and Jesus put on a towel, and Jesus started to wash the disciples' feet. And Simon Peter was like, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And it wasn't a question like, hey, will you? It's like, no, no, no. Because later Peter's like, no way. I'll never let you wash my feet. Why? Because Jesus was the, was the guest of honor. He wasn't the servant. But Mary understood. You take a posture of servanthood. You don't care what other people think about you socially when it comes to serving Jesus. She wasted it. She wasted herself socially, and she wasted her reputation. Notice in the text it says uh, she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is significant. Jewish women of that day rarely let their hair down. You know who let their hair down in public? It was prostitutes. And yet in this moment, in the midst of a dinner party, Mary is down at Jesus' feet, and she lets down her hair, and she takes her long, beautiful hair, and she starts to use her hair as a towel to anoint Jesus' feet with the oil, the perfume that she has poured out on her Savior and her Lord. Wasteful. Some might say irreverent. And yet, this was Mary's heartbeat. She understood that wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste, not financially and not socially, not with her reputation. You know, um, sometimes it's hard to, I, I'm by nature such a people pleaser. I worry, think about what people, I'm thinking about what you think about me right now. It's just normal, I just do. And you know, that can even interfere in our walk with Jesus or our service to Jesus or our our worship of Jesus, like we, we become restrained because we wonder what are other people going to think. But, but man, Mary, she, she didn't care. There's a wonderful freedom when you stop caring about what everybody thinks and start only caring about the most important, what the most important person really thinks. And what, what seemed wasteful did the disciples was worship to Jesus as Mary was there at his feet. And I love Jesus' response. <laughs> you know, the, Judas speaks up. He's like, she shouldn't do that. That's, that's a waste. You know, that money could have been used for better purposes. And Jesus just looks at Judas and looks at the disciples and is like, hey, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. And then he goes on to say, you know, you're going to have the poor with you always, but you won't always have me. Jesus knew the trajectory of his life, that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to die, that he was going to ascend into heaven. 
that they wouldn't always have the very physical presence of Jesus with them, but Mary somehow got it, and she was doing the right thing. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says these words, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? And then he goes on, he says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Remember, I told you this at the very beginning of the message. Jesus himself says, listen, this is going to be written down. What this woman did, this wasteful moment is going to be remembered throughout history. And you guys, today, in 2023, right here in Sandusky, Ohio, we're doing exactly what Jesus said would happen. We're remembering this wasteful woman for her worship of Jesus the Savior. And it it ought to cause me, it ought to cause us to go, does my life reflect that kind of heart and worship? Do Do I can concern myself with what others will think of my devotion to Christ or am I unabandoned in following him and serving him and giving to him whatever he deserves because wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. Well, there's one more area that I see shows up in Mary's life, and it's from a different passage of Scripture, but I want us to just look at it just for one more minute. It's found in Luke chapter 10, and this is what it says. It says, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. This is a different dinner situation. It says, and her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing, and she came to Jesus. And she said to Jesus, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here? (laughs) Just sits here while I do all the work? I mean, Jesus, tell her to, you know, get off her lazy butt and get some stuff done here. (laughs) Mary... Martha's looking at Mary and thinking, look at her, she's just sitting around at Jesus' feet, listening to whatever he has to say. What a waste. But it wasn't a waste. It it looked like a waste of time, and yet we learn from the text that Jesus, Jesus took it all in. And, and, And Mary was a woman that wasn't just willing to waste her finances, wasn't just willing to waste her social reputation, but she, was, she wasn't afraid to waste time on Jesus. It says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Man, I am a Martha like the details, and I'm good at details, but man, they can consume you. And, and Martha was so worried about the details, Jesus like, quit worrying about so many of the details. In this moment, Jesus says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it won't be taken from her. Martha looked at her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to him, taking in his every word. And Martha thought it was a waste. But Jesus, he saw it as worship. Mary understood 
that wasting it all on Jesus is never a waste. I love what Joanna Weaver says in her her book called Having a a Merry Heart in a Martha World. She says, until we determine whom we will serve, we run the risk of developing a Judas heart instead of a heart of sacrificial love. For whenever our interests conflict with his interests, we'll be tempted to sell Christ off as a slave to the highest bidder rather than spend our all to anoint his feet. So I want to leave us this weekend with three important next step questions. Number one, do our interests conflict with his interests? Or is what moves the heart of Jesus, does, is that what moves our hearts? And second question, what is my motivation really for living? Am I just worried about the applause of people and consumed with my social identity and reputation? Or am I willing to waste it all for the sake of Jesus? And that leads us to our third and final question. When I think about Mary... It causes me to say, what is Jesus causing, calling me to waste this week for his sake? Because whatever we waste on Jesus is never a waste. So what does that look like this week for you, for me? Maybe it is financial. Maybe it is something. Maybe it's somebody that we know is in, in great need Maybe it's someone that we could come alongside and help with time or service. And it doesn't matter if it's on our clock or on our schedule, but we, we, we waste it for the sake of Jesus and for what he would want to do in another person's life. Or maybe it's wasting some time, maybe some, wasting some extended time, time that like some of your coworkers and friends Maybe even family members wouldn't understand, like, why would, you, why would you take so much time in prayer? Why would you take so much time just reading the Bible? What if, what if this week Jesus is calling us to just waste it on him? What might he want to, be, want to do in our life, in your life, in my life, if we just poured it all out for his sake? I tell you what, I think, I think it would shake our families, our workplaces, our businesses, our community, our world. What Jesus can do with somebody willing to waste it all. For years, I was involved in youth ministry, and I remember hearing Duffy Robbins, a kind of youth ministry guru one time, in speaking about Youth ministry, students, you know, I'm thinking about our middle schoolers headed off to camp. I'm thinking about high schoolers that just came back from camp. Um, I'm thinking about our kids that are off at day camp. And, and Duffy Robbins used to say this about children in youth ministry. He said, it's often three things, irrational, excessive, and costly. He said, irrational, it, it just doesn't even make any sense. Why would you do that? It's, it's all, all, also very excessive, like way over the top. Like, what? That is extreme. Why would you do that for teenagers? And he said, it's often, often costly. But then he said, but wasn't that the very mission of Jesus? Irrational. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. 
that the, that the king of the world would go to a cross? It was excessive, man. You talk about love. And it was costly. You see, you see, Mary, she just got it. She could pour it all out on Jesus because she knew he would pour it all out for her. And he's done the same for you and me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us this much. May our hearts reflect the heart of Mary more and more. For whatever we waste on you, it is never a waste. In Jesus' name, amen.